Hello, heathens. Welcome back. If you are coming back, I hope you are. I hope you listened to the first episode and that you liked it. And and that's why you're here, because you thought there was uh, something cool about um, conversations for the godless, spiritual conversations for the godless. Because uh, that's what we got more of. That's what this show is. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for this conversation today with... Uh, my friend Jazz Persing, um, it's really good, and you're going to hear it very shortly. So uh, I opened up the first episode with this kind of written piece that, you know, I was very clearly <laughs> reading slash performing over some music, um, and I will do that, I think, about half the time, and then the other half the time, I'm going to open just like this with uh, casual... Howdy, um, and, and just a quick word. So uh, that quick word today has to do with a couple things. First of all, I just want to say, um, well, I don't know why you're here. I don't know how you found this thing. You're probably like maybe you're related to me. I think there's a good chance that if you're listening to this at this point, you're related, or we went to college together. Or, you know, you like my roommate. So hi to those of you who fall into those categories. Thank you for supporting me. Um, but, you know, also there's maybe a chance that you like to dig through the new uh, new podcasts on iTunes and uh, find the obscure shit, and you found this one that had this provocative title and gave it a shot. So if that's the case, then welcome, and I'm glad to meet you. But I'd really actually like to meet you. I mean, I would. I'd love to meet you in person, but at the very least, I would like for this thing to be a little bit interactive, right, so that we're we actually are building some community, um, or, or trying to, uh, so there is a way to do that. You can, uh, shout at me on social media. Um, I mean, all caps, I guess, if you really want to shout, but, um, it's, uh, at heathen podcast that's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So you can Say hello there. You can uh, on the website. It's www.heathenpodcast.com. You can submit a message through the contact page there. Um, email. That's I probably should have said that one first. That's the one most of us use, right? Uh, email is askheathen at gmail.com. So I don't know. Say hello. Let me know why you're listening and what you'd like to hear here on this thing. Um, it's something I'd like to do from time to time, uh, bring up, you know, kind of comments or questions that come in from folks who are listening with, uh, the guests that I'm talking to. So I'd love to hear from you. Please do that. Okay. Uh, secondly, I just want to do a super quick, because I didn't really do this in the uh, pilot episode. I figured I should give a little bit of an overview maybe about like me, <laughs> who I am and why I'm the guy making this thing. Uh, I don't have like any particular qualifications that like make me the right person to have these conversations. I just, I just really like to have these conversations. So I thought, why the hell not document them, record them, put them out there, see if there is a chance, an opportunity to build, build something around this thing. Um, it's <laughs> my favorite conversation to have. Why not have it, um, Maybe a little broader. Um, so 
I wanted to do Heathen uh, specifically, like not exclusively, but specifically for folks who resonate with that idea uh, more than they do with the idea of, of Christian, right? Like people who, for whom, um, well, it can be hard, right? It can be hard to walk into a church <laughs> where you might still want to engage or participate um, and say, hey, guys, uh, folks, gathered in the name of Jesus, I don't believe all the things you believe, but I would like to participate. I mean, the chances of you finding the church that's going to be cool with that, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty slim pickings out there. I'm lucky. I have that church here in San Diego. Um, I think we talk about it today in today's episode with jazz. We do. Um, but I just know from a a lot of experience before, uh, coming to the church where I go, which is, is Sojourn Grace Collective. If you're interested, um, shout out to Sojo, uh, Hashtag Sojo shout out. Sorry, I just need to move on. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it's hard to do that. And it's hard to find places where you can like fully participate and fully engage and be a part of everything and still say, listen, I don't I can't check off the boxes that you want me to check off. But I still think there's something here or something of value or at the very least, I would like to have the, the conversation. And, you know, you're kind of stamped from the get-go with that. So Heathen is about being that place. Like, I want it to be that place where an atheist and, a, you know, a, a, a backslidden Baptist and a, a recovering a whatever Catholic can hang out and um, talk about this stuff. So I think all of those people are coming up, actually. Yeah. It's going to be good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I have my notes. Uh, I really, I, I was an actor in uh, an earlier life and I really like having a script. I really like the safety, right. Of just being someone else and saying, we're saying that that person's words and not your own. I mean, that's, that's, mm. It's hard for me to talk off the cuff sometimes, but I'm giving it a shot because I feel like conversation, like extemporaneous, whatever, it can be helpful too. Um, so heathen, it, 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 it works for me, right? Like it's just, uh, it just works. My mom actually gave me the title, not like intentionally, <laughs> but uh, it's the thing. It's the thing that she would always say in a tongue in cheeky way when we were being naughty kids, right? When my siblings and I were being bad, uh, it was just her way of, um, you know, she just kind of roll her eyes and Ugh, heathens. And I, I that, it, it makes me laugh. Uh, I've, I've, I say it all the time <laughs> as an adult. Um, and it just, it comes from her and, it's just one of those words that stuck with me all these years, and, and I say it all the time. So it became the name of this podcast, and I know heathenism kind of has a connotation nowadays about uh, you know being associated with like pagan arts or whatever, but um, that's cool. 
Like, maybe we'll have a pagan on here sometime and they can educate me about that kind of heathenism. Um, anyway, uh, super, super quick. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. My world was church. My world was Christian school. Um, Asheville's like a super hip place now, right? You've probably heard about it on all the top 10 best, coolest, trendiest, whatever cities for yuppies. Um, uh, it was not that for me growing up. I, I did not know Asheville was cool. We just lived in, in our little small bubbles and we were a family of five, uh, super, you know, religious, uh, conservative evangelical family of five. And we did church all the time. And then school, school, I went to a Christian school, um, which was like interdenominational, but still super fundamentalist and, and like, you know, just the Bible based teaching. Everything was Bible based, like, except for maybe geometry. I don't remember doing, um, you know, Jesus and isosceles triangles, but <laughs> pretty much everything else, you know, from history to language arts to the theater, it was all informed by Christ. Um, and my church was, it's, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's, um, they're called like chapels, like gospel chapels or Bible chapels. People outside of this particular brand of, of Christianity refer to it as Plymouth Brethren. We didn't call it that growing up. We just called ourselves the assemblies, which don't get that confused with assemblies of God. It's not the same thing. Uh, very different actually. Um, so we were this kind of just very decentralized network of gatherings, um, that had no leaders, no, no, like paid leadership, you know, no staff. There was, there's like a board of elders. Um, but it's just kind of, you come together, you hang out around the communion table, like, like the body and, and, uh, blood, the, the bread and wine. And you kind of talk for an hour, but just the men, like obviously only the men, we were super, it's, it's an extreme form of fundamentalism. It really is. And some of it's like sounds cool, like this idea of being, you know, like we just come together and we don't have, you know, leadership or whatever. But I mean, like the women wear doilies on their head. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's you're going to hear a lot about my church, obviously, on this thing as, as we move forward. So just know extremely extreme fundamentalism and, uh, uh, conservative evangelicalism. I mean, Bible belt, I, it's just where I came from post, uh, that world post, um, <laughs> growing up, uh, in Western North Carolina. I, I went to a little Presbyterian school for a couple years, college in Tennessee. I've lived in Nevada. I've lived in, I lived in several States, uh, but I've spent most of my time in San Diego and, um, I've just, I've, I've done church most of my life. You guys, I've been on staffs. I have started, I've been like a church planter, um, and, uh, a worship leader, uh, for most of my life in some capacity. And, um, it's pretty much never ended well. <laughs> I'm gay. Uh, that's the big reason. Uh, no, uh, we're going to spend time talking about that and obviously, obviously the effects, um, you know, what that meant for in all these different contexts that I tried to be a part of something. Um, I mean, I've been fired, you know, fired from churches and asked to resign and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, the, the, these are the things. This is the kind of the concoction for the recipe 
of why I'm out here talking about this stuff. I, this is deconstruction, right? I can talk all day long about what I don't believe because I've been around this thing for so long and I I can point to all the things that I hate, like doily head coverings. (laughs) I can do that all day long. But when you ask me what I do believe, that's a harder question. And I think that's part of what I want to do with Heathen is to maybe get closer to an answer. And so I'll be asking that of of the folks who spend their time with me on this thing. Um, I'll ask that of you, you know, if that's the thing you would like to contact me about and shoot that over. Tell me. Um, I just... Uh, I'm, I, I'm in the middle of this thing. I'm in the middle of this process of, of deconstruction and, and, you know, it's weird to say I've been in the middle because it's been such a long time, but, but I'm having this concentrated period, I guess, of really assessing the faith that I grew up in and the culture that I grew up in and figuring out why it's never worked for me why as earnest as I felt I've, I've been, um, I couldn't, I couldn't find my spot. I couldn't find my place in this world. You guys, Michael W. Smith, anyone? It's a really good song, but I am excited about doing this, uh, because I think there is a place for us to have these conversations and to like have, some authentic, genuine connection around them. Um, so that's what we're gonna do. If I if I if I believe in anything, I believe in us. I believe in I believe in spirit, and I believe in humanity. I can say those two things for sure. Um, so I think that our capacity to connect and the need to connect is is. I mean, that's, that's what it is for me. That's what it boils down to. So let's do that on this thing. Okay. Awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, a couple quick things about the conversation to follow. Just wanted to, we mentioned a couple things, but like, don't give much context to them. So, um, uh, yeah, I mentioned uh, Sojourn Grace Collective. That's the church in San Diego. We attend, I think it's sojourngrace.com. You can Look it up if you like. Uh, Jazz and I both go there, so we, we talk a little bit about it. We also talk about um, uh, a, a Colby Martin, who is one of the pastors of Sojourn. Uh, we talk about his book. It's called Unclobber, and we just bring it up really quickly uh, and don't say what it is. So I'm telling you now uh, that it's it's a book that Colby wrote about his journey uh, coming to terms with um, being like open and affirming to the LGBTQIAP community. Um, the queer community, uh, as a Christian and, and, and it's his attempt to, uh, look at the Bible, like what the Bible, what people believe the Bible traditionally says about, uh, queer folks and unclobber the clobber passages. So that's what that's about. You should check that book out. Um, it's great. And I think that's, I think that's it. So here we go. Uh, enjoy jazz and enjoy, um, Yeah, just thanks for being here, you guys. Here we go. 
Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. Welcome to Heathen. Hello, heathens. Uh, this is Matthew Blake, and welcome to another awesome conversation that, that we're about to have. Um, I am with my new friend, Jazz Persing, right now, um, who has been so gracious and uh, is sharing her time and her energy and her thoughts with me today. Um, Jazz and I met through our church, which I know, like, it's kind of a... Um, uh, you're listening to this podcast probably because it's called Heathen, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I want to talk about like what it's like to not be a Christian anymore, or not, but but what the host like goes to church? Yes, 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 I do. Um, and there'll be plenty of time to talk about that and explain that. But first, um, I just want to say hi, Jazz. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome to my dining room, which we kind of just uh, threw everything together here. Thank um, you. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm flattered to be here. Yay. <laughs> uh, let's, can we just start with like you, um, so that I'm not like, you know, <laughs> introducing you uh, and, and saying like all the wrong things, like <laughs> give you a chance to kind of like own your story and let yes. us know like <laughs> who you are and, and what makes you, uh, what makes you you? Um, thank you. I, um, so my name is Jazz. Um, I'm a writer, uh, living in Monrovia, which is just east of Pasadena. Um, and I work on, I work as a writer's assistant on, um, uh, an Amazon show, Sneaky Pete. And which I'm totally, you've, you've described <laughs> yes. me and I'm like totally going to watch it yes. now because it sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, often, uh, refer to it as Sneaky Pete, that show everyone's been meaning to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it so is. <laughs> it is. Uh. Um, but yeah, so that's what I do. Um, I also sing a little bit. Um, I bake a little bit. Um, and I try not to let baking envelop my writing time, which I've written a little bit about. Um, is that is baking like your um, like procrastination tool? Like when it comes to yeah, well, it's like I think it started as a procrastination tool and the funny thing is I think when you do something like writing it's so not visual like it's very in, you have to be very interior and you have to isolate yourself whereas baking um on the one hand like it is nice to do something that like you have like a physical product like it's satisfying to do something that you see happening with your hands but everyone will love you for it mm-hmm. um and <laughs> so like true. they will like be like, you should open a pie shop. Um, and that's nice to get like all this validation and it is very addictive. And so I, at one point got into this like very unhealthy, like baking black hole where I was just like baking constantly and getting mad at people for not like, like everyone's telling me I should open a pie shop and they don't understand that. Like, I don't even want to do this. Like, (laughs) and finally I was just like, which took a long time, way longer than it should have to just be like, well, Jess, here's the thought. If you want people to see you as a writer and not a baker, how about you bake a little less and write a little bit more? That is brilliant thinking, but (laughs) yeah. Oh my God. Like so hard to get there sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's very scary because like you're like, no one would know except you. Because yeah. then, like, because some people do it for a living and it's totally their calling, but yep. it's not for yeah. me. So, oh my gosh, I so yeah. know. I, I'm the exact same way actually when it comes to baking, and I don't really, do it, I don't do it as much at all anymore. But that's so interesting. Yeah, and so many of my old jobs actually, like, I for <laughs> one of my jobs, I was like the designated 
for at Christmas time, we mm, would do gifts yeah. for like all of our board, all, just a whole host of people, like 60 people probably needed a Christmas gift from us yes. every holiday. And, and that just fell to me because one oh day, like I made a pumpkin loaf or something yeah. and people are like, this baking is amazing. Baking guy. Yeah. yeah. That's you. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Baking guy. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm glad that I'm not pigeonholed into that anymore. Yeah. So, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, it's, it's something. And, uh, yeah. And, I think there's a version of where it's healthy. It's like, there's a version where it's like, it's a good way to like get to know people. It's a good way to make an impression, but then you have to quickly jump off of that Mm. and be like, and now diversify and like make sure that people aren't being like, well, where's my pie? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. That's the other thing too, is that once you pull off of it, no one's going to be like, Oh, good for you. They're going to be like, Really? You're not baking anymore? Because they want the baked goods. Yeah, it's there's no all the affirmations gone and you don't have like yummy treats anymore to like like, even for yourself. Yeah, it's not I know. But you're right, like you if you want to be seen as a writer, that's what you gotta do. Yeah, and I think yeah, so mostly that was it was a good experience of like, okay, there are if I'm doing non writing things, how are they that's the thing, is like how is this challenging me and pushing me to be a more complex person like because I think things that are like life-giving like there's usually a part where they're hard and like you Mm. don't want to do them anymore but like you push through and you're better for it preach and uh yeah and baking was not that for me but I could pretend it was because if it was my calling it would have that dimension but I just pretty much got to a point where I was coasting I think anything where you're coasting is not not a great area to hang out in yeah absolutely oh my gosh so I love what you just said. Anything that is is a true calling, like yeah, there's gonna be an element of like difficulty and the teeth pulling face. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Like this actually making this podcast. Yeah, totally. For me has been some of that process. Yeah. Like it 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 I put it off for so long. I made I made the resolution like back in December, mm-hmm. like of 2016. Mm-hmm. I had I had totally got in, gotten into podcasts last year. Just fell in love with the whole format. Mm-hmm. Um, had this idea and wrote it into my resolutions for 2017. And you know, we're, we're in October now. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I'm doing it. I am yes. like, I'm going to make exactly the, 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 before the deadline, but yeah, it took 10 months of, of really like, yeah. Ugh, work, and, and I think it it's like not a, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I feel like I've definitely come to know more people who are honest about this, but like there is definitely that thing of like, I, I remember, I think around the same time that I realized the baking had gotten out of hand, I was listening to Yes, Please, um, which I adore. But like the intro, I just like remember so vividly her talking about like, you know, like writing is hard and boring and no one talks about how it's hard and boring. Yes, I remember that too. Yeah. And they're like, they just will say like, oh, it just came out of me. And like I sat in my beautiful study (laughs) and everything was easy. Bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not. It's like if it's something, if it's something that you're supposed to do, odds are you're going to fight against doing that for mm-hmm. a while. Cause yeah. it's scary. Like, cause then you know that it's like a part of your soul and it's supposed to come out. Yeah. And like once it's done, like once it's out of your soul, then it's like kind of goes into the hands of some other people. Yes. And you have to let go of it. You do. Yeah. And so. what, like, what is that going to look like? And what does that exactly. say? What does their response then, you know, say about me and how, how much am I wrapped up in exactly the work that I just put out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to keep doing it and you can't be like, okay, this is like, I'm as good as, yeah. I mean, even it's encouraging to me that like Aaron Sorkin has said that it's like, if, if I live in the reality that I've already created the best thing I'm going to create, like, I can't do that. That's the most depressing thing I've ever oh, heard. Yeah. 
But that's like the guy who did the West Wing. So it's like, okay, if he does that, then it's like, I need to do that too. That it's like, because I think that's how you create good art is you're just like, okay, like it's not about like, you can't get so tied to it, but you have to just keep going and yeah. That and that that's um, Amy Poehler. Yes, please. By the way, if yes, anybody yes. is curious about what Yes Please is, it's Amy Poehler's memoir, and it's super super good. Yes, we- that was the beginning of my uh, audiobooks read by the author. Oh, autobiographies, audiobooks read by the author. Addiction, which has been a very long list <laughs> at this point. <laughs> that's a very specific addiction. Yeah, but because almost everyone reads their autobiography. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Makes yeah, sense. it was like Amy Poehler, then both Rob Lowe's. Mm. Then t- oh, and Tina Fey, of course. Does Betty White read hers? Yes, but I haven't <sighs> gone there yet. She's in my wish list. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I love though. It's probably not even her most recent one. I feel like she's written eighteen like yeah, I personal know she memoirs. Has. Like, <laughs> yeah, but whatever. What I most recently read, I loved. She's yeah. hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, let's uh, let's talk about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know, no, yeah. I'm, I am totally enjoying this yes. conversation. It's fantastic. Yes, but I want to hear. Um, you know, I asked you to do this podcast off <laughs> yes. the cuff because you you uh, you gave a very small um, we call them faith formation stories mm-hmm. um, at our church at uh, Sojo is, is what we call our church, um, and I actually gave one of those like three years ago oh. and and just dug it up and listened to it because I was like, um, yeah, what did I even say? Like yeah, I don't no, even okay. know, <laughs> and and I and I a lot of it still like stuck and held. Oh. I was really interested because. Uh, I actually got up in front of our church and like said, Hey y'all, like I know I, you know, lead music for you and everything, mm-hmm. but I'm not a Christian and I don't believe these things. And here I am participating anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I talked about like how I, how I got to that point. And it was, it was actually super helpful as I've been like kind of developing and yeah. thinking about this podcast to like remember what I was thinking three years ago. Yeah. Um, so you gave a faith formation story last <laughs> yeah. week and I like jumped like right after the service. I'm like, Chad, <laughs> hi, let's talk on, you know, <laughs> on the microphone. Yes. Um, but yeah, can you, can you maybe, uh, share a little bit about like, what was your upbringing like in terms of, uh, spirituality, religion, um, those kinds of things. Yeah, I feel like I'm on, on being, <laughs> Because I can talk about the spirit. That's what Krista Tippett will always ask. Like they'd be like, "What was the spiritual background of your childhood?" Uh, oh, so that's a good way to phrase now it. No, I feel yeah. Now I feel like I'm special because <laughs> I'm obsessed with all podcasts now. Um, I grew up. I very much grew up in a Christian household. Um, I until about two months ago, I was going to um, the church I had been going to uh, since I was born. Amazing. Um, yeah, my parents had pretty much landed there like when my mom was pregnant with me. Um, so yeah, and and I yeah, so I, I def- definitely like grew up. Christianity was kind of always a part of my life. Um, I think I my initial like, coming to Jesus, um, mm-hmm. was sort of a, like, I definitely did not understand what it was. It yeah. was just sort of like the, like I was five and it was like, Oh, well, if you want to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus into your heart. And so I was like, okay, so I'll do that then. And my <laughs> family got so emotional. And I like, I think even at five, I was like, I think there may have been a miscommunication here because <laughs> it seems like there's a gap between like where I'm at and where you're at. Yeah. Your response does not match like the yeah. level of effort uh, I put into this. Yeah. Thing. I'm just like, I just got out of my bath. Like, so like, <laughs> it's a pretty regular night for me. 
Um, Speaking of getting out of your bath, like that's, that was the exact experience I had when I got baptized in my church. I think I was 12. um, And Mm -hmm. I think that was because like, that's when I think the age 12 was like appropriate in our church growing up because that's when Jesus like went into the temple and started teaching or whatever. We did it because uh, our churches, uh, my old church, it was like, uh, they didn't do like when you're a baby, like baptism, like they mm-hmm. were like, you had to be 12 cause they figured that was like old enough for yeah. you to have some concept of like age of accountability. On. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was definitely like the beginning. Um, but yeah, but I wouldn't say that it started to be, I think I had like a couple of different like emotional, like altar call things that I participated in when I was like 12 or 13 where that like started to be more real for me. But I would say that like my faith, especially cause I, I went to Christian schools pretty much from, uh, I think from, from first, no. Yeah. From first grade, um, through the end of high school. Um, Ditto. yeah. <laughs> um, which is its whole other thing. And really can, I mean, I would say that in the pro column, Um, It was, especially when I went there, um, especially at least the high school I went to, it really is amazing to have, like, the ability to have a teacher that's, like, more than a teacher to you. Like, like Mm. you have, like, more resources, I think, for, like, mentors and, like, as you're growing up and, like, if, yeah, if that's a good community. Yeah. um, I feel like there's more openness um, with that. But on the con side, it really is tough, I think, to build your own individual faith because it becomes like so required and it becomes so like Bible class and this and that. And I remember I had this, um, we had this class in high school called, uh, discovering my life calling, which like was so, which, it was, you, which you have to learn in high school, by the way, like <laughs> you're, you're expected to know that yeah. in high school. But it was funny. Cause like, as much as like, it was very, like, it was a little ridiculous in some aspects, but I wish I had been a little bit more grateful for it at the time, because I think like Dale, uh, my teacher, like he had us reading all this Rob Bell, which I totally did not appreciate at the time. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Very so he, progressive. Yeah. For... He was very like, let's uh, like upend everything and question all these things. But I was like, I was a punk and I was like 17 and I was just like, oh, it was too confusing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I remember I was so, I was such a brat that like when he has read Velvet Elvis, I like Rob Bell's like indenting style, mm-hmm. like drove me crazy where he would like <laughs> make a new paragraph all the time. So I hadn't read the book I was supposed to be reading, but my response to the chapter, I wrote like that so that I could fill a page. So it'd be like, the thing about this book is it's very dramatic. Like, and yeah, that's so totally appropriate. I was, response, yeah, I, I was a little bit of an asshole. Um, but I, so I, but I wish I had been a little bit more grateful for it at the time, because I think that was the only class that I was in that was trying to get at that, mm. that it's like, this needs to be your own thing. And this needs to like, you should, yeah, have some, some some sense of why you believe this. But I think, like, you kind of, you have to be out of the system to a certain degree to do that. Because it's very hard when you're just, like, everything is rote. And I always wanted it to be real. It wasn't that I was just, like, along for the ride. Like, oh I was always, gosh, yeah. like, deeply convicted. Um, but I think it was honestly, like, not until I was in my first dating relationship um, which is a whole other story. Um, but, uh, but I think when that was just super painful and like really emotionally stressful and when that had fallen apart, 
I had this moment where I realized like I'm saying that I'm like leaning God on God, like in this experience, but I'm literally just saying that like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And I know that there are people in my life where that does mean something to them. So I need to talk to those people and like find out like what my actual faith is, which was good timing for like going to college. And, mm. um, when you kind of are at that point of yeah. like, okay, like what, what do I believe? What's real? when no one's looking over my shoulder. Um, yeah. And I really did. I think that that, that is like arguably the beginning of my actual faith journey. Um, because then it was like, okay, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to like, and I believed I had enough of a, I had a friend of mine. Um, I was in this Bible study, um, through some people I knew through my old high school Um, and this, uh, friend of mine who I was really close with and I was just like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm like from the ground up, like just, I don't know what I believe anymore or like, I want this to be real, but I don't even know where to start. And she very wisely was like, you know, like, I feel like I could give you some advice here, but I feel like God wants to speak to you about this. And that doesn't have to be like, you're sitting in a room waiting for a word. I think he'll just speak to you like, you know, just go about your day, but just continue to be open to that. Yeah. Um, and I think about that a lot, like with like evangelism stories, because it was like, it was so wise that this person was just like, you know what? Like I'm sensing that like you need to discover something for yourself. Like, um, that's the unicorn. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Even within like, yeah, within that environment, like, um, but it was true because then a few days later I was just sitting there and I just had this really clear sense that it was like, I've been like striving to make this relationship work and just clinging to this so desperately and like I just like feel so clearly God saying to me that it's like I have better for you like why are you fighting so hard to make this like fit like Mm. like just believe me um and and it was just this huge weight lifted and and you know there was still some painful stuff with all of that but I feel like that was I guess really just like where it became personal um and where I wanted because I think when you have an experience of really feeling that insecurity or just really coming to the limit of what a human relationship can give you. That is a lot of where like your experience with the divine ends up lining up Mm. because you realize that it's like, yeah, people can't give you everything that you need. But when you're 16, you're like, but if it's the right person, they will. I know. I know. I have so much experience with uh, trying to get, (laughs) get what I need from people. Yeah. Just like, a a fellow people addicts. Yeah, just yeah. a lifetime of it. And um <laughs> and it, it but it's interesting to me because I also feel like I don't I mean, God is such a mystery to me. Like yeah. it's such a mystery. Uh and the the longer I think I've been involved in this like kind of yeah. a, this world, this conversation and and just you know, approaching spirituality um through any kind of lens, you know, for me it's mostly been through the lens of Christianity. Yeah. Um I just, I get less and less sure. And, and I, the, sometimes in my life, I felt like I have gotten, I've gotten those needs met and and the things Mm -hmm. that I wanted from people much more so than from God. Sure. Um, but there are those moments and I, I mean, I've got, Mm -hmm. I've got, I have just a handful like of those moments where I do feel like something other, right? Something beyond something was, speaking and in one time an an, an actual voice which yeah. like I, that's a wow. story I don't even really like to tell very much <laughs> because um well 
I sound like a crazy person, but, um, you know, an actual voice that like just came and, and I mean, the story of Samuel, you know, like yeah, hearing, yeah. hearing uh, Eli, name, yeah. yeah, thinking that it was uh, Eli calling him, and like three times, like Eli's finally like, no, 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 I'm not calling you. Wow. Just talk to the voice the next time it speaks. And um, so those are the things in my life that I like. Oh, sorry if you can hear that uh, in podcast land. There's a, a <laughs> motorcycle outside. Um, uh, those are the things in my life that. They've been some of the, the the roadblocks for me in terms of like truly like mm-hmm. <laughs> disassociating because I so desperately wanted to disassociate from Christianity for a yeah. good chunk of my life. I just was like, I, 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 I don't know what life is like without it. And I just, I need to yeah. know that. But there were, there was all these, just a handful of things that kept me somewhat connected, somewhat tethered, um, circling in that sphere. And certainly one of those was like these handful of times that, yeah, something spoke to me that I can't, there's no rational yeah. explanation for it. That's so interesting to uh, me. Actually, the the teacher that taught that class, I remember because I had been in such a chaotic place um, at the end of high school, I had like sort of gone back to him to say hello and mostly just like I had this need to tell him was like I'm okay so like I know I was like a total mess the last time you (laughs) saw me but I promise I'm fine um which I probably still have that tendency (laughs) anyway um but uh but I remember him like being like oh I'm so glad to hear you're doing well but he said something that he was like you know like God's like, 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 you know, I always knew like, you know, God's got his hooks in you jazz, like, and like, mm. that'll always be true. And there was something about Shit. that, that I've still like, like, I'll say that to people too, because it was really encouraging for me to hear. And I feel like it just gives you so much freedom to experience that journey on your own, because I think there is a lot of like narrative of like panic and actually just like, you know, they're saying that it's like, God will always be there and God's like pursuing you and blah, blah, blah. But like, but the action is very like, but if you do this or that wrong, or like if you've strayed too far off the path and you really got to get back on track. And I just feel like there's something about that, that even as I think about it now and more like the context of my later life, that it's like that just communicates something about like God knows me and he knows how I process things, even knowing him. Like, so it's like, it just gives so much of like a, I don't know that it's not like if you don't fit this like certain journey, like, I don't know that like that there's no, yeah, that like you can't screw it up. Like, I guess Mm. that's what it feels like to me. And that's always encouraging. Yeah. I, I, I like that. You can't screw it up. And that's, um, the thing that, for me, certainly growing up was not, it was never, that no, was never yeah. the, the mantra. Like the yeah. mantra was kind of the opposite of that. It's like, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't well, do I, this. I almost yeah. said, don't fucking screw it up. But of course we never would have used the F word yeah. uh, in my house, but, no. um, uh, that yeah. would have been indicative that you're way off the yeah, path. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not, you're not taking communion this week <laughs> <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. Um, Two wow. demerits. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I just, uh, wanted to chat, real quickly about like what is so you you said very recently you've mm-hmm. kind of like left the church you've grown yeah. up in and you're dr- now driving like almost yes. every every week <laughs> to San Diego which if you're not in Southern California it's it looks close on the map but that's it's a hefty yes. drive because there's you know 18 gazillion people down here in SoCal yes um so what 
brought you to what Sojourn happened? and what like yeah like <laughs> what's what going on there? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten like good at answering this question because it will come up with like the oh so like where are you from? Um, L.A. It's like <laughs> what? <laughs> like why are you here? It's like okay. Um, so yeah, so I went to this church um, pretty much since I was born. Or yeah, literally since I was born. Um, and it's like, I was very connected there for a really long time. And that church definitely, it started, it used to be this place where, um, I think it was sort of, it made its reputation on being a place where people could be messy and that that was really lived out, um, very much by like the, the lead pastor, um, there in like his transparency about his own life, um, and in like really like the way that they would hold people's stories, like in a really tenuous place. Um, and so I, most of my growing up, that's the church that I experienced it to be. So even though I was navigating, um, my own spiritual journey, I, I felt really comfortable there because I think it definitely started out like in sort of a completely different version of what Sojo is. I think of like a church for people who have been hurt by church. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and it's not really a super denominational church. Um, so like technically we're four square, but, um, but yeah, but not really like, um, so, so it had been a really like definitely a place I felt at home for a while my personal, like where I started to kind of feel like I was out of alignment with my church was mostly like on the LGBT issue, mm-hmm. um, be, which I kind of woke up to, um, after Orlando happened. Cause I had always had questions of course, like about all of it, but I guess like it becoming more dire or like urgent, mm-hmm. um, happened like after Orlando happened, um, I, my church was definitely not one like Westboro Baptist or anything, or like one of these awful churches that was just like all like, this is because of like their sin and blah, blah, blah. But it did wake me up to the question of like, well, where does my church stand on this? And I actually don't know that. And perhaps more to the point, I've chosen not to know that because it didn't affect me directly. Right. And then that was super convicting. And then neutrality favors the oppressor was just like everywhere that week. And I was like, I hear you. Um, So I started to kind of pull at that thread. Um, And yeah. And then with that, my uh, old mentor leaving, that was hard. And basically what I described my like process of leaving church was, is that like, that was the main issue. But then as soon as I started to pull at that thread, a lot of other threads unraveled. Um, that's how it works. Yeah. Because I understand it's like, it is, it's a cornerstone issue. Yeah. And I, I had believed them to be like a little bit more accepting or like, I, I think honestly, if my church had started, if it had continued to be the place that it was that I grew up in, where it was like a place where people could be messy and open mm. and that there was space for that, mm-hmm. I think it naturally would have grown into a, like an affirming church. Yeah. Um, but it, I think partially because of the way, like some of the reasons why my pastor left, but it just, yeah, it it just became really clear that it's like, there's just a lot of fear here and there's a lot of concern about keeping everyone on the same page. Um, and yeah. And then I found out that like the new hiring, uh, standards for, um, for like the new pastors that were coming in 
were extremely stringent on that to mm. where it was like the third question in the interview after, oh, nice. yeah, after, uh, what's your elevator pitch of the gospel and where do you, or, and, uh, what's your experience of calling? Then the next question was like, where do you stand on homosexuality and are you willing to call it out? You know, I'm just, I'm flattered. I'm flattered that, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the LGBT really community high is, off the list. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so when that happened, I was like, okay, so I don't think anyone knew that's coming in. It's going to, yeah. yeah, like that's pretty definitive. So I knew I was supposed to go. Um, yeah. And it just, and, and so in, I think around the time when I knew I needed to find someplace else, um, my, uh, a friend of mine who had, I had had like similar views and she had already left the church at that point, but she had recommended a book to my sister, um, and my sister was reading it, and she was like, I think you would really like this book, and it was on Clabber. Um, hey, hey. So, um, by Colby. Um, Who happens to be the pastor at Sojourn Grace. Where yes. Where we go. Yeah. Um, so, so I started reading on Clabber, and I really resonated with it, especially because it was so close to, like, a lot of my upbringing. Um, and, and then, and then along the way, I also started listening to the sermon podcast, because, I was just at this point where I think I was still going to my church, but I was just feeling really spiritually drained and I have this really long commute. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm just going to start. Yeah. So you're like, let's start a longer commute. Yeah. (laughs) But well, no, before that I was like, just on my like work commute, I was listening to the, yeah, Yeah. the Sojo podcast and really connecting to it. Um, especially, um, the one that Kate had did, had done about, um, on Mother's Day about like God as mother and how we like miss out on this whole dimension. Yeah. Oh my God. That, so I, I played that for my mom. Oh. She wasn't ready. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most radical thing that I had heard at it, that point. Yeah, it sure was. But we, we yeah. had, yeah, we had a five hour car ride over, <laughs> what, this was just over the summer. I, oh yeah, I was home for, I think her birthday. Um, or Mother's Day or something. And and I was like, this is a good time to introduce <laughs> my mom to radical feminism yes. in the church. And, and um, oh boy, we had a good conversation that day. But it actually, it actually was like yeah. a really good conversation. It was just a hard one. It is. It's like, but yeah, I think that what she said about like um, the human condition being like that, like we want to put people in boxes and then put those boxes on ladders. It's mm. just so simple but it really spoke to me and yeah. And so the process of leaving my church was really tough, but around that time I had also like, I was finishing the book and I had been listening to the podcast for a while. And I was just really like, I went, I was like, I approached all of the Sojo stuff because of the LGBT issue. Yeah. But what really moved me was just the humility And that was just so apparent, like, and like the humility and grace that was just coming through, even just through the book. And then I could also see was like being corroborated in Mm. like, it it just felt like I can already tell this is like a messy place, like in a good way, (laughs) like, or unless they're just like, really, this is quite a performance for this podcast. Yeah. Um, so finally in June, you you can't fake this level of mess. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I was like, even the fact that there's like folding chairs scraping, like on like the recording, I was like, I'm in, like, I'm, you've got me. Um, so yeah. So eventually in June, I was like, you know what? It's San Diego. It's not Mars. Like I need, like, even if it's just one time, like, um, so I sent Colby, uh, an email and just kind of briefly telling my story. And I got like the nicest email back um, that I've reread many times. 
Um, and it was just so encouraging and just like, I'm so damn proud of you. And like, this mm. is like the hardest thing, but like, um, but you're being really brave. And, um, and so I, like my sister and I came out to visit and it was just so wonderful. Um, yeah. And then we just kept finding our way back and, yeah. and now um, we get to hang with you yeah. most, most Sundays and it's really, really great. And I love it. And, and I think until, even really until like last week or like the last couple of weeks, I feel like there was this point of like, well, maybe I just won't be, well, I did honestly, like I did feel like after I left my old church, which is, it was tough. Like it was like a really emotional experience. Um, just, yeah. Cause there were some like issues of confidentiality that like weren't, uh, that wasn't being, <laughs> um, uh, respected, which was really hard. And I found that like out kind of like almost after the fact mm. leaving. So that part's been super hard. Um, and yeah, like it's just, it's an interesting experience to, I think, be aware of like my own humanity and their humanity yeah. and that like people hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think that, in that process, I like, and through a bunch of other things, I did at one point, especially toward the end of the month, um, cause it was even, it was starting to feel tragic to me, um, that I was like, okay, so the one place that I really like feel at home right now is like so far away from me. Like this just feels like a cruel joke. Like, yeah. and I'm never going to move to San Diego cause like my whole business is in LA and I love LA. Yeah. Um, but then I sort of like through a couple of different things, I just had this really clear moment of like, this is a space where like, like for like the next couple of months, like this space is just going to be about like me and God, like rediscovering our relationship, like separate from church hurts, separate from people hurts. And it just felt like this relief that I needed. And that even the fact that like, I'm going to this church in San Diego, like even that felt intentional that it's like, okay, you can't just instantly become a pod person somewhere else. Like you have to like have like, this is, it's going to be about like our faith, like first. Um, and I still feel that way. And I think, but I think also over the last couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? I'm going to like allow myself, like, I'm also not going to hold back on like wanting to be a part of this community. Cause I don't care if it's insane, like <laughs> whatever <laughs> people drive, like you get used to it. Um, people yeah, drive. people drive and I don't know. It also just makes me feel like my world is bigger and, hmm. and that I think actually, yeah, which th- is, yeah, that's, that's a lot of like what this is about I think too is like even just even just listening because I started listening to like all these podcasts because I was just like so spiritually hungry um being in this place of transition and what I've discovered is just I had no idea what I like how much of the narrative of like the way that I grew up which some of I I, some of it which I think is less like the church that I went to and more just kind of like what American Christianity has like cultivated really powerfully over the last 30 years, especially, um, which is just this narrative of like us versus them, like, um, which is not at all spiritual. Um, and what Jesus was not about at all (laughs) in his, the way he lived, not even a little bit, not even a little bit. Like, in fact, he was very much like, uh, no, like I'm not going to observe this boundary that you've already set up. Um, But you're, you're right. I mean, it's been in our lifetimes that that has been, I, my class that we had in at my Christian high school was uh, I, mean, I don't remember if it had a title, but it was it was just an apologetics course. It yeah. was it was 
preparing us to go out into the world and be bombarded by people who wanted to exactly. destroy our faith because that was what was going to happen. And we needed to have an answer for all things. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and like to the point where like when I went to a secular college, it was like a shock to me that it was like everyone wasn't waiting with like <laughs> a net to like pull me in and convince me right. that I didn't, everything I believed was garbage. And it was like, oh, people are generally pretty tolerant if you're tolerant of them. Like that's like how most mature people are. Yep. Um, so that was like college. But I feel like even beyond that, there's still sort of a thing of like, like even when I had my first job in the industry, um, uh, which is I uh, used to work on uh, Good Girls Revolt for also for Amazon, um, which was this crazy experience of like being totally immersed in this like super radical feminist, like secular environment, which mm. was definitely a culture shock for like how sheltered I was. <laughs> but it was amazing because yeah. it was this total like overturning of like, oh, no, there's no like, oh, well, you better not spend too much time over there because then your faith will just blow up. It's like. Um, no, like that was a moment where I actually, like my faith became real because I was like, oh, I'm actually having to like listen to other people's beliefs and where they come from and finding that I identify with that more than I would have Mm -hmm. thought. But like that, yeah, but I don't know. It's just so much more. I I completely agree. (laughs) Like I, if, if, if it weren't for, and for me, like my leaving my Christian bubble was just yeah. going to a bigger Christian bubble basically. Cause yeah. I went to a Presbyterian school in Tennessee, yeah. but <laughs> it was still enough of a, a shakeup for me to like recognize that I, I had such a sliver of the picture. Right. Yeah. And, and the more, um, well, yeah, it, what you just said, like it, it's not re it was, it was never real for me until I started to encounter people who believed different things who want, who, who, yeah, it, just, just anything different. It, nothing was real about my faith. And even though like now I, you know, don't know yeah. how to describe what my faith yeah. is, it's still so much more precious and real to me. Than, yeah. Because than any, it's yours. Ever, like, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's so terrible. Like I also like a big formative experience, uh, um, has just been like my relationship with my best friend, um, my friend Skylar, who like isn't a Christian, and um, and I remember Shout out like to Skylar. <laughs> I know, <laughs> hi Skylar. Um, so she, I remember that like we were just like very like instantly close, and I knew like we definitely like st- shared and still share this sort of like you know deeper fascination with the world, which I think that's probably true of like all of my close friendships. Mm-hmm. It's like I kind of can't, it's very hard for me to like have any kind of relationship with someone who's just sort of up on surface level things. But like, it's honestly, she's been like the deepest secular friendship that I've, or like for a long time, at least she, she was. Um, and I am just so grateful to her because the truth is like, I'm so embarrassed of this now, but like, I feel like because of how I grew up, I kind of had this, base level belief somewhere that it's like, okay, everyone around me who's not a Christian, like just kind of doesn't get it. So it's like, they can get it to a certain degree, but basically (laughs) everything that they say is invalid because they just don't know. Like, which is so awful. So awful. And like, and I was right there with you. (laughs) Yeah, But it's awful. Like, because 
it, it's just like when someone's telling you they're happy or like that something's going on, it's just like, yeah, but like yeah. you haven't really like discovered the love of Jesus. Mm, but you didn't have your morning devotions <laughs> yeah. this morning, did you? Exactly. Yep. So, which is like, I mean, it's complicated because it's like also like I, I believe what I believe. So it's like there is to a certain degree and we kind of came up against this point where like she was having a hard time with some stuff and I felt like I was sort of giving this kind of greeting card advice where I wasn't really speaking from like, well, this isn't what I would do. Like, this is what I would do because this is what I believe. And so that sort of ended up being, it's like, okay, I'm going to have like the conversation with her where it's like, okay, like I, this is what I believe and I don't want to be like preaching to you, but like it, like truthfully it's changed my life. So, um, and it was really amazing because she was like, you know, like I'm definitely interested in all of it. But, um, you know, it's just I'm kind of in a longer process about it. But, you know, what's really helpful for me is if you just are like, just tell me like your experience and like you can share that with me and her like being open to that. Like it totally opened this whole other level of our friendship. Um, And then that's totally and it became true the other way, too, because I think I would like only share things with her up to a point because I would just sort of be like, well, she won't get this. Right. Um, And I've like begged her forgiveness so many times so like i'm so sorry like i was such an idiot like but it was like and i think she could feel it she could feel that i was holding stuff back until i did that and then it became this amazing it's been this amazing thing over the last like four years or so where i don't know if it's been that long but like a while where yeah where i i feel like are i don't know like i'm so grateful for her perspective Mm -hmm. because it's different than mine but like because I don't censor myself and she doesn't do the same with me. Yeah. Like you can just really learn what another human experience is like yeah. that's outside of my faith, but like, but that understands that it's important to me. Yes. And I think that that in combination with just like, I don't know, just with like, with like listening to on being and all of this stuff and listening to people who are from like many different spiritual perspectives, um, and completely a spiritual perspectives, just like talk about their experience in the world I think anything that like gets you back to the level of like, but we're all humans, like Mm. anything that creates this like divisiveness of like, but I'm the one that's had it figured out. Like that I think is just inherently unspiritual actually, because then you're giving yourself this divinity, which as we can see on a wide scale (laughs) is really dangerous. Yeah, this is so energizing, and like, we're if if you're up for it, I want to have a part. Oh my two. gosh, I would love like a jazz part, part two because yeah. we have so much more to talk yes. about too. Like that, we've even things we've t- touched on at lunch before we sat down in front of the yeah. microphones and everything. So there's a lot more discussion <laughs> to be had here. But I love what you said. Yeah, I, I, we're we're all human. The arrogance of of assuming that mm-hmm. um, because I'm right, you know, because my tradition or whatever is right, uh, you know, that someone else someone else can't possibly have you know anything to offer or isn't going to be able to appreciate or understand what i have to offer them like yeah i i love seeing those kind of walls be be torn down because that's the kind of that's the kind of spirituality that that frankly yeah i can't i I want nothing to do with because you're right it's not spirituality yeah well and i think honestly i um in, in part of this whole process what something that was really encouraging to me is i went on this um silent retreat in the beginning of august And I had completely forgotten how um, healing it is to just be like kind of in the contemplative tradition because I remember uh, going 
into this retreat because honestly, like since I've had this experience with my church and since it's been like, okay, these core issues are like really important to me now. So it starts to feel sometimes where it's like when I'm in a room of Christians, it's like, I got to know, like, where are you at on this stuff? Because I don't want to be blindsided and like find out like, okay, no, like if you're not inclusive to these people, I have to go. Right. But so I was on this retreat and it was amazing because throughout that process and through just like really having this time where everyone was encountering God on their own and then coming back occasionally and having these kind of touch base things, I had this revelation where I was like, I'm not worried about this. Like as I usually am where it's like, I'm sure I ha- I'm positive. I have doctrinal differences with people in this room, but I'm not worried about it because the purpose of this retreat is for everyone to encourage each other to go back and encounter God and to be open to the fact that God encounters people differently. And so it's, a certain amount of trust that you're putting in that it's like God will speak what he needs to speak to that person in their time rather than a situation where everyone's policing each other's faith. Um, because when you do that, you're actually like neutering like the God that you say that you believe in because Mm. you're saying that like, yeah, God will talk to you, but I need to talk to you (laughs) because I don't (laughs) trust that God will encounter you. Um, So, yeah, so I'm all about, like, anything that's actually, like, pointing people back to, like, their own experience with the divine, like, I think is a little bit more trustworthy and the other direction starts to veer a little bit more culty, like, at its worst extreme, but, yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, that's that's just my heartbeat behind these conversations and this this podcast, so thank you for... for being part of it and for pointing people back to... Yeah, pointing people back to their... Their experience of the divine. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Part one. (laughs) Part two to come. Yes. TBD. Thanks for listening to Heathen. I'll be back next week with a new guest. In the meantime, take a minute to go follow Heathen on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. The handle is at Heathen Podcast. And you can also visit the website at heathenpodcast.com to learn more about this project. Send your comments or questions, and maybe we'll talk about them on an upcoming episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, I would love and appreciate your five-star review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference for a new podcast. I'm Matthew Blake. Here's to the heathens.